0: Hi, I'm Lisa Levin. And I'm Julie Sapper. We're the co-founders of Run Farther and Faster and co-hosts of the podcast, Under the Same name.
1: While well, we started this podcast as a Boston Marathon-focused podcast based on the experiences from our combined 31 finishes. We cover all things running related. We've coached
0: runners of all levels and goal distances all over the world for over 13 years. Thanks so much for joining us. We are so excited you're here. Hey Lisa. Hey Julie. How are you? I am doing really well. How are you doing? Well, I
1: feel like I, I should probably update our listeners as to where I'm, where I am in my little injury, uh, rehab. It's been now four and a half months today. We're talking on May 2nd, which is crazy.
0: And it's so crazy. I don't know how it's like, I know it hasn't gone by fast for you, but it's just, I can't believe it's been four and a half months.
1: In some ways it's gone by fast, I think, because I very much feel like I've been so focused and so, uh, I hate using this word, but busy with this injury in the sense that I've had to commit to so many things to get better. So yeah, in many ways it's kept me focused and on task. In other ways, it's almost become a little bit of an identity, which I don't like because it's been with me for so long now. So I don't love that but hopefully it will be a distant memory soon. And speaking of which I'm, I'm really running at this point. I know we talked about a few weeks ago when we did our Boston recap, it was so exciting to run with you in Boston, Lisa, and we did about three miles and then we did another mile or two at our shakeout. And that was a longer run for me. And now, um, about a week and a half later I did over the weekend, I did my long run, which was seven miles and i ran with uh, one of our runners and my friend karen ryan and it was wonderful to run with someone else just as it was so wonderful to run with you because i'm not used to doing that and when i get to run with someone else i'm not thinking about my leg and that's really healthy for me mentally and i wasn't sure how i'd feel i felt fine now endurance wise it, it definitely was hard i won't lie i went as slow as i could and it wasn't like when i finished I felt like running three or four more miles, but I was in you're rebuilding. I mean rebuilding.
0: you're kind of starting from, from I mean, you have muscle memory, but you're kind of starting from zero.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely starting from zero and it's definitely humbling. And what's exciting though when you build back from an injury is that everything's new again. And and not that I needed that, but you know, when you're in a running rut and then you can't run. What what's the best remedy for a running rut when you're injured and you don't get to choose to run or not? You just can't. So certainly I'm I'm not in a running rut and I feel excited to run right now and that is certainly a gift. And I'm hopeful that will continue. I'm not I'm hopeful but I'm not what's the word I'm looking for naive because I also recognize that in a week or something, something may happen where I don't feel as good. And I may have to take a few days off because I've never rehabbed such a serious injury. I know from many people that the progress isn't linear and I know that I'll have setbacks. So I'm also trying to frame this, like I'm celebrating the victories, but I'm not, settling into it or taking it for granted and saying, and then next week I'm going to do nine because every run I have to kind of listen to my body and ask myself, is this truly feeling easy? Is this truly feeling okay? And then of course, keeping up with all of the rehab and the strength training and all the things. So that is my progress right now. And, um, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm excited
0: for you and I mean the nice thing is that you don't have a strict schedule you have to follow so you can listen to your body and like you said um uh recovery is not linear so if you have to take a week off here and there and I know you've had that before where you said like after Boston you said you know you felt like it might have been a little you know a lot of time on your feet you're spectating and you said you know it was a little bit you got home you were a little bit or you know you felt it, and then you took a few days off. You told me I remember when we got back from. You said I'm taking the rest of the week off. So I think it's just smart that you recognize that you can, that you're not going to lose the fitness that you are building by taking a few days off. That that's what your body needs to be able to progress.
1: Absolutely, and that's a good transition into something that we wanted to address today, and that is uh, the need to take time off after completing a goal race. And the goal. When we say goal race, we're not talking about a five k or even a ten k, unless a ten k is a huge stretch distance. We're we're basically talking to to marathoners out there. Um, with social media and Strava, especially, there's definitely uh, a propensity for folks to want to return to some type of running, and and understandably, sometimes runs tend to be performative, not because we. Intend that to happen, but because when you share a run on social media, whether Strava or something else, it becomes a little bit of a public. It becomes it's public. A, yeah, that's a better word. I don't want to say that everyone's performing. That's not no, the right. But it's word. public,
0: and you know you're going to get or think you're going to get questions or comments or it's public. That's why yeah. I don't. That's why I don't post my runs on Strava. Um, yeah, I don't. Your, e- I don't personally. either. Like we don't use Strava. Like you know, it, it's. And they're not for anybody other than myself, not against anyone who does. Post. I mean, I know it's very um, motivational for people and people really enjoy it, um, but that's why I don't do it. Yeah.
1: So the, the issue is because of that, we are seeing a lot of people running right after Boston, for example. And it's surprising to me. And I can't help but wonder... Is that becoming the norm where you kind of ignore the need to take off a lot of time after a marathon? And my fear is that because so many people with very public personas are out there running again, making it look so effortless after a marathon so soon, then the the wisdom of so many coaches and, and our own advice to take time off is going to be perceived as, wrong. And we just want to touch on it and talk about why it's so important to take time off after a marathon. So Lisa, why don't you tee it off and explain why it's so important to take time off after a marathon?
0: I mean, if you think about it (laughs) running 26.2 miles, puts a ton of strain on your muscles, um, your tendons, and, um, you feel it the day after, right? You feel it a couple days after you may feel it you know, a week after, but then you start to feel better. Um, and if you were well-trained heading into the marathon, you actually may feel better two or three days later and feel like you can run again. But what we don't see is inside our bodies and the, the recovery process, the, the repair that is going on and how um, critical that is to longevity in sport and how important that is to your next training cycle. Um, so we get a lot of our runners because they're well-trained going into their marathons, which I think is great who say, yeah, I feel great. I feel like I could go do another race this weekend. Or I feel like I could go, you know, I could run. And they look at their schedules, which we give them. And we put, I I know I put in mine, and I think you do too, at least a week off of of running. It doesn't mean you can't do anything. Like walks are great and swimming is great and even easy cycling is all good to get the blood flowing and, and help with that recovery. But I know, I, you know, we put in our schedules, rest or active recovery for a week. And you're talking about social media and seeing, you know, people jump back in too soon. But what I see are a lot of elite athletes talking about how they take a month off after, after training. They literally take like a month off of running. They will still do things. They'll get massages. They'll do active recovery. They take like a month off of running. So I think that's just a testament to to really people who really know what's going on, you know, know, know that it's not going to affect their fitness. And I think what we hear a lot, and I think what may be behind this other, you know, in addition to kind of seeing other people out and running and thinking, oh no, why am I not, you know, why can't I be out? I can go out and run too, um, is, is uh, the fear of losing fitness. We've all built all this great fitness you know, people had really good races and I had a really great marathon and they're like on a high, they think I want to capitalize on this. Like I now want to, I feel great. And you know, I feel it too. Like I, I had a pretty easy recovery from Boston. Like my legs feel great. Um, I'm you know, back to running, but I, I, I like hold myself back because I know that you know my body is still. I feel great because I've you know rested and recovered well, but my body's still recovering. And the rule of thumb we've always heard is that it takes about a day per mile run for your body to actually fully repair itself. So if you think about that, a marathon, twenty six point two miles, twenty six ish days. That's three to four weeks before your body is back to where it was before you know probably before some of your marathon training, but, um, so that's, that's, uh, you know, like I said, I think there's, there are a lot of factors going. So people are really afraid of losing that fitness. And what I think is hard to, hard to see is that you really need, need that recovery to retain that fitness. If you just keep training and training and training and ramping it up, ramping up and not giving your body that chance to absorb the training and recover, eventually uh, you're going to you're going to hit a wall, um, and you make it injured. And that's, this is, I think I read somewhere that this is the most likely time for injury for marathoners is in the three to four weeks after a marathon, because we do, we feel great, you know, a week or two later, we're all hyped up. We think, you know, we want to take advantage of this fitness. We want to keep working harder. And even if you had a bad race, sometimes you know, people will think, all right, well, I had a bad race. Now I like almost have to punish myself. I have to get there. I have to train harder. I have to do more. I have to do more speed work and I have to do it now. Um, so I think that, um, what we lose sight of is that the recovery, this I say, you know, you've got to take one step back to take two steps forward. And really um, I know for the runners we coach, it's about a month of just, you know, it's not no running. It's lighter running. It's maybe four days a week of running and more of a focus on strength, like the stuff we don't get to focus on when we're, when we're running so much. So focus on strength focus on cross training. You know, you like that cycling class at your gym, go take a cycling class. So it's really like four weeks of like, you know just mixing it up a little bit and taking the pressure off of of running making sure you're running easy and slow and then once we hit june you know at this time of year like for our you know April Boston marathons when, once we hit june we'll head into some speed and strength and we'll head back to it but it's, so it's not like it's you know it's not like it's that long of a period of time and it's just so important to um to to setting yourself up for the next training cycle
1: amen yes absolutely and i will just add that if we wanna grow as runners and absorb the gains that we made in a training cycle, regardless of how your race went, your training cycle is still the body of work. And to be able to absorb that body of work and then use it for the next training cycle, you have to have some downtime. And we've are we we've talked about this before. We even had a guest, uh, uh, I'd say about a year and a half ago, Jill Colangelo, who talked about overtraining syndrome. And this, this is what causes overtraining is just cycle after cycle and to not taking meaningful time off to really allow your body to absorb those gains. So,
0: right. And I think too, what we don't see is that, you know, people say, well, I'm fine. I just went and did a great race. Like, you know, two weeks after by I feel great that's fine. They, you know, you might feel great until you don't like injury isn't going to like creep in slowly and you're going to feel like, Oh, I feel like I'm getting injured. And then you're going to have injury. Like you usually what happens, you feel great. You feel great. You feel great. You do a little too much and then you're injured and then you're out for, you know, for who knows how long. So, you know, you feel great until you don't. And that's um, that's the, the hard part is that we do feel great. And we could, could I go run a race, you know, this weekend and, you know, run a half marathon and probably do really well. Yes. But what would, what would look like after, like, what's that going to do to me, you know, two, two weeks, a month down the road and into my next training cycle. Like, where is, is it going to put me behind, you know, is is it going to set me back for that training cycle? And the other thing um, that I think is important to talk about too, is that our body responds to stimulus when you kind of pull the stimulus back and then re-stimulate it. So it's like, You know, if you just keep on adding the stimulus, adding the stimulus, adding the stimulus, it's like, it's like almost like, you know, I think of like caffeine, like you get used to caffeine. if You're always drinking it. If you cut back on caffeine for a few weeks and then you add it back in then you feel the kind of effects of caffeine again. So it's, I think a similar type of thing, like in order to keep seeing gains, you need to take a step back and like take the stimulus off your body so that when you put it back on, it responds again, because otherwise it gets used to the stimulus and it's not responding.
1: And for people listening to this that say, yeah, I understand, but I'm, I'm not that person. I'm fine. I've for years, I've raced really well, right after my spring marathon, and I haven't had any issues. We challenge people who feel that way. Maybe you would be even better. So give it a try and see what happens. If you take a little bit more time off meaningful rest after a goal race and see what happens in your next training cycle, who knows, maybe you'll be even better. Good point. So yeah. Um
0: anyway, Lisa, anything new with you before we tee up our guest this week? Nothing. I'm like, I'm recovering. No, no races on the calendar. Like it's kind of nice to just have a have a you know, kind of some downtime and um and not be worrying about doing long runs or getting your training run. So nothing going on. So what do you do when
1: you have your downtime? Like what's a typical week look like for you with downtime for those who are like, well, now I go
0: and I watched watched Alex do his races. Now I go and I'm a surfer for for cycle races, and I like to go watch cycle races. Um, my you know my runs are just shorter. Um, they're less. You know, I I never do very structured workouts anyway. So, um, you know, it's just shorter. It's it's what I feel like. Like if I wake up and I don't feel like running, like I'm not going out. Like I'm just you know, it's uh, and it's it's super easy. My runs have been so. Again, I ran a three twenty when I ran a three twenty four marathon, and my runs since. Um, since Boston, i have been between, I mean, well, the first few, right. When I started up again, were like 10 to 10 30, they're all now nine 30 to nine 45. Like that's just, you know, nice, easy pace and, um, and no structure really just making sure that I getting sleep or trying to get sleep as much as I can. Um, you know, I have this big goal in my head that I'm going to start doing some strength training, still have not gotten there, but, um, but that's riding cycling more doing some, some indoor cycling, um, And that's it. Like I said, no structure, no races on the calendar.
1: Sounds great. It sounds lovely.
0: And it sounds like something also your brain needs to be able to have. Yes, that is exactly that. That was another thing, you know, just to mention quickly, like our brains need that, like, like disengagement of like, not over, not thinking about training and thinking about how long your run is and how many miles you, you've run. Like, I just like not having, and, and that's why, you know, a lot of times we encourage our runners to take a break from us in May that, you know, for who've done Boston who do, you know, we're happy to have them stay on and work and a lot do say they, they need the guidance of a recovery schedule. And so I get that, like because a lot of people would do too much if they didn't have us telling them, Nope, don't run today. Like do some cross training, do something else. So I I get that. But, you know, a lot of times we encourage people, they like, say, it's okay to take a break from us for May and just, you know, do what feels right for your body. Um, so I, I think, and like you said, the brain's a schedule uh, for, you know, for a month is okay.
1: Yeah. You bring up a good point just in closing is that as coaches, I would say 80% of the time, our role is not motivating our runners to run. Our runners are motivated. It's pulling them back and, and doing too much. Yep. Them to, to take a break, to relax, to run slower, to to take take time off, to get more sleep. So I feel like that is kind of the opposite of what, what one might perceive a coach to do. We're actually often telling folks to do a little bit less or run a little bit
0: easier. And we get that. People admit, they'll they'll say to us all the time, like, I need you to, so I don't, <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy. Like, I need you to tell me what to do so I don't overdo it. So that's, you know, that's, totally legitimate and we get that. And, um, that's important too. So that's why we enjoy, you know, coaching people through the recovery. We don't mind. It's sort of boring because there are no exciting workouts or nothing too interesting, but again, it it helps people feel like they're, they're, they're following instructions at least. So they're not, um, you know, it's what their coaches told them to do. It's not like, uh, you know, they, they, they sort of have an excuse for why they're not running.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, this week we have two really wonderful guests. We're really excited to welcome Rick and Russ Hoyt. And the Hoyt name, for anyone who isn't familiar, is really um, um, a mainstay of the Boston Marathon. Team Hoyt is originally known as Dick and Rick Hoyt. Um, They are pretty much one of the faces of the Boston Marathon, as much as race director, Dave McGilvery. So a little bit about Rick and his brother, Russ. Both of them are the children of Dick Hoyt, and Dick, who passed away sadly in 2021 at age 80, and his son, Rick, are the dynamic duo known as Team Hoyt that competed together at the Boston Marathon, but they've done so much more. They've done so many marathons and Ironman triathlons, and of course, Dick pushed his son, Rick, in a wheelchair. Rick has cerebral palsy. And thanks to Rick's mom, Judy, and of course, Rick's dad, Dick. Rick grew up always knowing that he could. Yes, you can. And that is the motto of the Hoyt Foundation. And that is what Rick and his brother, Russ, are going to talk about on the podcast today. So, a little bit more about Rick and Dick. The Hoyts have competed in 1,130 endurance events, including 72 marathons, six Ironman triathlons, and they've run the Boston Marathon
0: 32 times. Hey, that's like us, Julie. It's, yeah. it's like, we're a dynamic duo too, but they are, they are definitely okay.
1: really dynamic duo. much different than us. Yeah. And, um, they, they did triathlons and I love this part. For the swim portion, Dick used a rope attached to his body to pull his son, Rick, sitting in a boat. And then for the cycle portion, Rick rode on the front of a specially designed tandem bike. And then, of course, for the run portion, Dick pushed Rick in his wheelchair, which he did for so many events.
0: Right. And, you know, we often saw our team weight, um, Rick and Dick uh, specifically, on the Boston course. And we still see now every year we return uh, Team Hoyt members on the course, which is particularly uh, motivating, I know to me and to you. Um, And Team Hoyt is comprised now of the entire Hoyt family and uh, foundation, which the Hoyts, including Dick's wife, Judy, formed to provide inclusion opportunities for disabled young people. And its motto, like you mentioned, yes, you can, behind everything the Hoyts have accomplished including Rick's graduation from Boston University thanks to his parents unwavering insistence that he attend public school and eventually Boston University where he graduated uh, in 1993.
1: So while Rick Um, is no longer running races and sadly Dick and Judy have passed, Russ and Rick are now running the foundation and Team Hoyt is going strong. They have teams at the Boston Marathon. We saw them out there this year. And now Russ's kids, Dick's grandkids, run on behalf of Team Hoyt. And now, for the first time this year, the Hoyt Foundation is hosting its first annual Yes, You Can Run Together On Saturday, May 27th in Hopkinton. It's a five-mile race to commemorate the first run that Dick and Rick ever did together. It was five miles. And there's also a virtual option, which is so lovely because all of us can participate. And so Russ and Rick reached out to us about a month ago and asked us if they could come on our podcast. And we were just so starstruck and so honored to hear from them. And of course, we wanted them to come on. And it's really an amazing interview, and they share a little bit more about this first annual race, and we were so honored to have them on and also to help them promote this very important cause. All proceeds go to the Hoyt Foundation, which is focused on inclusion for all disabled young people so they can have the same experiences and be integrated as those who are not disabled or able-bodied. And um, that is exactly what Rick was able to do because of his parents' determination and Rick's determination. He lives his life knowing, yes, he can, thanks to his parents saying to him throughout his life, yes, you can. Yeah, I
0: love I love talking to them because we feel like we knew the story of Rick and Dick Hoyt. And we um, talked to them during um, during our interview that both of us have the children's book, Rick's story that Dick wrote many years ago. And uh, we both would read that to our kids and to our kids classes when we were the guest readers. And it was always my favorite book to bring in. So as much as we feel like we knew them and and every, every year when we go to the expo, we'd go find their, you know, the team Hoyt booth and we'd go see them and take a picture with them and talk to them and tell, tell them that we read their book to our kids every year. We would do that. And as much as we felt like we knew them and knew their story, I feel like we got to learn so much more about, uh, Dick Hoyt, about, uh, his wife, about Rick, about Rick's, you know, uh, Rick's, uh, progression through, um, through all of, uh, you know, all the Boston marathons and all of the different um, endurance events that they did and, um, and the Hoyt foundation. So I felt like it was really, um, really neat just to kind of hear some, some stories and, and learn more about them. Absolutely. So yeah, without further delay, here is Russ
1: and Rick Hoyt and Lisa, I hope you have a great week. You too,
0: Julie. Bye. Bye.
1: Rick and Russ, Hey, welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. We so appreciate you taking the time to join us today. So, why don't we get started and if you could share a little bit of background about you both.
2: Sure. We'll let Rick go first.
3: My introduction, I am Rick Hoyt. I am 61 years old. When I was born a lack of oxygen at birth caused damage to the part of my brain that controls my muscles. As a result, I have cerebral palsy known as CP. With my form of CP, I could not move my arms or legs, and I am a non-speaking person. I use a computer to communicate. I use a head switch to type and speak. And
2: I'm Russ Hoyt. I'm Rick's younger brother, and um, I am currently the uh, president and CEO of the Hoyt Foundation. And I have that responsibility because Rick told me that I had to, and you have to do what your older brother tells you what to do. So Rick and I are carrying on um, both mom and dad's message, of yes, you can, um, through our work in the foundation, which I know we're going to talk about a little further on in the podcast.
1: Great. So Rick, why don't we start with you? Can you share, because we are a Boston Marathon-focused podcast and we just returned from Boston, can you talk a little bit about your Boston Marathon experience and what the marathon means to you?
3: In the fall of 19. In 1978, Dad and I made a goal, to run in the Boston Marathon. For two years we ran, in the Boston Marathon as bandits. Dad asked the director of the Boston Marathon this, question, why can't Rick and I be official runners in the Boston Marathon? The director of the Boston Marathon told Dad this, Dick, you and Rick have to run in another marathon. And you, and Rick must finish that marathon under three hours. The director of the Boston Marathon used my age for qualification for Dad and me. I was 18 in 1980. Dad, Mom and I took two friends, Carol and Wanda, to Washington, D.C. Dad and I ran in the People's Marathon or the Marine Corps Marathon. A few days before we went to Washington, I asked my friends this question. Carol and Wanda, would you both take me to the Army and Navy store? At the Army and Navy store, I bought a Marine uniform. morning of the Marine Corps Marathon. My friend put me in the Marine uniform. When Dad came into my hotel room, Dad was (laughs) completely surprised. I wanted to look like a Marine, and Dad had no idea I was doing it. When Dad and I were running the Marine Corps Marathon, our official finish time was 2 hours and 40 minutes for the Marine Corps Marathon. When Dad got our official results from the Marine Corps Marathon, he mailed our official results to the director of the Boston Marathon. Once, the director of the Boston Marathon had Dad's and my official results from the Marine Corps Marathon, we got our numbers. Dad and I were then official runners in the next 32 Boston Marathons.
0: That's incredible. We didn't know the story that the qualifying time that they put on you was on your age and not your dad's and your dad obviously is a very you know talented talented runner and was able that that's Mm -hmm. great we are we are based in the dc area so marine corps marathon is our local race so Mm -hmm. we love love that story about the marine corps and how that was the origins of of the start and um and and your what you did to, to surprise your dad that's that's really great so tell us about your dad Either of you can answer this. So tell us about your dad and and how you want others to remember his legacy.
2: Sure, I can start. Um, Our our dad was one of the um, strongest people you would ever know in terms of once he set his mind to do something, it was getting done. Um, You know, the phrase, yes, you can, Mm. um, came from just his mindset of if there was a task in front of him, it was going to be complete um people ask you know how does he do those marathons and triathlons with rick and i always said he has no real sense of time and what i mean by that is when we were little kids we he would take us out to cut wood and we would leave the house and after three or four hours had passed we would start whining and complaining and saying we're hungry we want to go in the house and he'd be like look we've been out here for 30 minutes what's wrong we're just we're trying to get this done and it was always about the task it was always about getting things done And I know Rick has some thoughts he wants to share, too. My thoughts on Dad's legacy of Dick Hoyt.
3: Dad never gave up. He always said, yes, you can. And it applied to everything he did. For example, Dad was always committed to finish every race, and at the 1989 World Ironman Championships in Kona, Hawaii, he proved it. Our bike broke down at the halfway point of the bike. The brake was squeezing the tire and wouldn't release. When our bike was repaired, Dad busted his ass to finish the Ironman before midnight. He pushed me to complete the marathon in under three hours after swimming 2.4 miles and biking 112 miles. It was amazing. Our father's determination was there before racing started as he worked three jobs to pay for my first computer so I could have my own voice.
1: So clearly you both take after your dad and really you are both taskmasters, no doubt. So Rick, talk to us and tell us, you've run so many Boston Marathons and you just shared your story about how you and your dad initially qualified, but do you have some favorite memories? Um, This could be a whole all day conversation for sure, given how many you've run, but share with us some of your memories. And then Russ, as as a member of the Hoyt family, we have no doubt that you too have so many memories. So just share with us what the race means to you and what your legacy on the course means to you.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'll let Rick go first because I know he's got a, a a story that he wrote for you guys that you'll you'll really appreciate.
3: My favorite things about the Boston Marathon in 1993. The Boston Marathon was six weeks before my graduation from Boston University. The TV stations came to my dorm and interviewed me about it during the marathon the crowds were holding signs that read congratulations on your graduation or they yelled congrats rick we love you and be you too as we ran by every year in boston i could feel the love grow stronger people would tell us they came out to watch the winners go by and that they refused to leave until they saw dad and i people would tell me that the boston marathon isn't over for them until they saw us
2: and i can add to rick's um joy in running the marathon from being sitting at the finish line waiting for dad and rick to come in and i remember one year vividly there was a gentleman sitting next to me and he saw the team Hoyt gear that i was wearing and he said oh do you know them and i said yeah it's my father and brother and he said do you know this is their at the time this is their 25th marathon i said yeah as i said it's my father and brother And he said no you don't understand he pushes his son the entire race and I, and I was like, yes, I, I I do understand. And he was like, did you know they've also done triathlons? They've actually completed the art. It got to the point where he was just, he was so passionate and so excited. I finally just turned to him and said, tell mm-hmm. me more. What else do you know about the uh, And And it's just to see people, um, the, the people of Boston, realizing how much of the fabric of the marathon that Dad and Reppy's Rafi- you know have become and and are continuing on um the baa has gone on to create the dick and rick point inspiration award which we get to give out every year we gave it to adrian haslett this year um on the 10-year anniversary of the bombing because you know of her strength as a survivor um the previous year we actually awarded it um, to chris Nitchik, who is a young man with down syndrome who not only has run the marathon but has also completed the iron man and What we look for in that award is people who focus on and inspire inclusion in others just like that and Rick have Um, and we've been able to, you know, continue their legacy that way. We also every year get to put in um, an honorary Dick and Rick Hoyt duo. Um, And this past year, it was actually really cool. We were able to give that to Mike DiDonato and Kyle Brodeur. Mike builds the Team Hoyt running chairs and his partner, Kyle, they're called Team Unstoppable. And, and they were. They they got through the, the marathon together um, in quite dramatic fashion. So seeing that legacy live on and then seeing other duos and other races grow from this is just so cool.
0: Yeah, I think Rick's story about the support on the Boston course just speaks to what is so special to us about Boston. That Boston, it really is Boston strong. And Boston, um, that that course, the the fans along the course are are um, so uh, you know it's part of their it's part of their fabric. And um, for us personally, many years we would see uh, your father and Rick on the course. I know, and it was always such a highlight of my experience to either see them at the Expo or see them on the course. So um, to us, it's it's um, Really fitting that that legacy has lived on for so long and continues. Um, so you know, along those lines, um, you mentioned Team Hoyt and you have the Hoyt Foundation. Tell us about the Hoyt Foundation and and Team Hoyt. Um, how that you know how that all came to be mm. and um, where you guys are now.
2: Sure, I'll jump in and then I know Rick's going to explain a little bit as well. Um, one of the things that's really cool about Team Hoyt in the Boston Marathon is we now have a charity team. Um, and this year we actually had 27 runners. So in addition to that Team Hoyt honorary duo, um, we actually had a second duo this year and then 25 more runners. Three of those 25 runners were actually um, dad's grandsons. My two sons, Troy and Ryan both ran, and my nephew Cam, our brother Rob's um, youngest son. So this was actually Troy's third um, Boston running in his grandfather's memory. It was Ryan's second and Cam's first. So. To see that the sort of the next, um, you know, group of family members has picked up on this legacy and are now, you know, running marathons and, you know, competing um, in their grandfather's memory is just, it's really cool to, to bring the team together. Um, and to have people that are so committed from not only the Boston area, but around the country. One of the duos that ran for us this year actually came from Utah um, to a set of brothers from Utah came out to run. Um, you know, as as part of, of Team Hoyt. And I know Rick has some things that he wants to make sure that you know. Things you should know about Team Hoyt and the Hoyt
3: Foundation. Team Hoyt and the Hoyt Foundation are stronger than ever. When Dad passed, I told Russie has to take over as president and CEO. Under Russ's leadership, we have brought in many new runners and people making donations. For the last three years, we have raised more through our charity team than we ever have before. We added the Dick and Judy Hoyt Yes You Can Inclusion Grant so that we can both honor mom and dad as well as help families to include their child with a disability the way mom and dad did for me. I can tell you more about the Hoyt Foundation. The Hoyt Foundation, in addition to the Dick and Judy Hoyt Yes You Can Inclusion Grant, supports children's hospitals, specifically the Augmentative Communication Program, Easter Seals, the Matrawas Limca, the Hakamat Limca, Venture Community Services and the Center of Hope all of these agencies support inclusion of individuals with disabilities and that is why we
2: support them so rick's computer sometimes reads words in chunks so two of those agencies that he mentioned were the metro west ymca it was trying to make ymca a word uh, and the, the second one is the hakamak ymca um, both of those ymcas do an amazing job of using their facilities to include individuals with disabilities so we work with those um, as rick mentioned children's hospital Rick actually now has the Rick Hoyt endowment for the Augmentative Communication Center, um, where we've established um, a a fund that we contribute to every year so that the computer that Rick uses now can be provided, those same opportunities can be provided to other people who need them and can't afford them. So there's now an endowment that allows Children's Hospital to reach out to families and make sure that they have the equipment they need so that everyone that needs a voice um can get one the same way that Rick has.
0: That's that's amazing. And just I think speaks to the reach of what you have done with um, you know, with your father's legacy that, that he started so many years ago, that um the, the reach is so broad now. It's not just limited to the Boston Marathon, but um but way, way far beyond. And um that is um is remarkable. Um and um, you know you have coming up you've got the Dick Hoyt Memorial Race coming up in the area. And I was just telling you before we went on air that when Julie and I were in the Boston area, we saw lots of ads on TV for it. So it looks like there's a lot of hype. So tell us a little bit about how that came about and and the details of the race.
2: Sure, I'll let Rick start and then I'll fill in from there. Yep. We are hosting the Dick Hoyt Memorial. Yes, you can run together and how people
3: can join us. On Saturday, May 27th in Hopkinton. we are having the Dick Hoyt Memorial. Yes, you can run together. Russ, please tell them more.
2: Sure, Rick, I'd be happy to. Um, so we actually met with Dave McGilbury, the director of the Boston Marathon Road Race after dad passed and we were having some conversations about how do we honor, you know, dad. And, um, you know, of course, Dave suggested a race. Um, and it just made sense that Hopkinton would be the place to host the race. The statue's there. Um, it's the start of the marathon um we actually are going to start and finish the race at the marathon elementary school very appropriate um right next to the marathon elementary school is emc park so after the race is over we're actually going to host a great party we're going to have a beer garden food a kids race Mm. prizes um it's really going to be an event that that it is a run but it's so much more um the race itself is a five mile run the reason why we picked five miles is because that was the distance of the first race that dad and Rick ever ran together. So we wanted to honor that distance. Um, But additionally, we're also having a two mile walk because we believe that together everyone can participate. So we have both a run and a walk. Um, The run will go by the statue so that people can see it. The walk actually goes from um, Marathon Elementary up to the statue and back. So everybody that participates is gonna be able to have that experience of of going to the statue as, as part of their race day. Um, we're, you know, we're just amazed at the outpouring of support. Um, WBZ, as you mentioned, has jumped on board and they've been our media partner and they're doing some you know commercials and stuff to help promote the race. Um there's a local brewery in town called Startline Brewing. They actually um put out the uh the Hoyt Foundation Marathon IPA beer, so we actually have a beer that has our logo and pictures and it actually describes the race on the can um and they're going to host the the beer garden after the race um like i said we're also going to have some great food there's going to be a kids fun run around the infield at, at emc mm-hmm. park um i just i think it's it, it's an amazing way to honor dad because it's a race that honors their first distance there's the two mile walk where everybody can be included and it's a day for families and you know dad was always you know, uh, all about his family and supporting, um, everything that all of us did. So it, the event just, it, it's, I think it's a perfect way to honor mm-hmm. his memory.
0: It sounds like, and you know, you've made it when you have an IPA with your, with your picture on your, <laughs> your race on it. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the big leagues. And we will certainly link to the race, uh, and race registration in our, in our mm-hmm. show notes. Um, is this, do you plan to make it an annual
3: event?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the first year, um, we're learning so much about how to do it and we want people to come, enjoy it, tell us what's good about it and how we can make it better. Cause we do plan to grow it every year. That's great. Well, we're, we're sure that's going to be a
0: huge success
2: in the first year. Thanks.
1: Yeah, no doubt mm-hmm. with Dave McGilvery as your race director, we can't imagine that there there, it won't be a success. Everything well, we, we, can-
2: we do have to clarify one thing. Dave said he agreed to help us with the race under one condition and that's that Rick is the actual race director.
3: Even so Dave better. Is,
2: Dave is, is Rick's assistant race director mm. and, a, and a consultant helping us do it. But he said Rick would have to be the race director if he was going to do it. So we said, okay. Mm.
1: <laughs> we, we love that so much. And what does it mean to you in terms of now you have – The Hoyt Foundation, now you've established this race that's become the centerpiece of the foundation. What does that mean to you? And looking toward the future, what else is in store for the Hoyt Foundation? Uh,
2: Sure. Um, So as as we mentioned um, a little bit earlier, we do have what's called the Dick and Judy Hoyt um, Yes, You Can Inclusion Grant. Um, A lot of people, because of the racing, have really realized what dad and Rick do, but sometimes people forget how influential our mom was. When Rick was um, younger, he wasn't allowed to go to public school. The laws didn't require it. Our mom actually got the first law written to create the opportunity for inclusion in public schools. It was called chapter 766, written right here in Massachusetts. And then that law became the standard for what is now the federal law, um, which it allows for individuals with disabilities mm-hmm. to be included. So mom's work you know, was just absolutely amazing in terms of, of getting Rick included. And I think being able to put the grain in both of their names honors what both of them you know, have done to change the world.
0: That's great, and thank you for talking about what your mom did. Because, like you said, I think there's so much focus um, because your dad was out there maybe running and doing the physical work. That you know, not as much focus on what she's done uh, for inclusion, which has you know made such a difference not only for Rick but for you know millions of, of people um, in uh, in the United States. And it's amazing that it's become a federal standard um, when it started right there in Massachusetts. So that's um, that's pretty pretty amazing. Um, do you have You're any welcome. plans? Are you are you are you running the race?
2: <laughs> so I'll actually be doing a lot of the coordinating that day. I'm going to be making sure all the volunteers are in the right place. So I won't be running myself. Rick will be running. He'll be running um, with my son, Troy. Um, Rick Rick has, has officially retired from marathons um, because those distances are just really tough on his body right now, but he's still doing shorter races. He's doing um, 5Ks, 10Ks, and obviously he's going to be running the five-mile race. Um, and he'll be doing that, um, with his nephew, Troy. Um, and we're really excited uh, about being able to be there. We we're also, we're also, um, talking with our good friend Zdeno Chara, who just ran the Boston marathon for our charity. And he's telling us that he's going to be there as well. So there may even be a couple of social posts coming out from Zdeno Chara's camp about being able to say, you know, I've done the marathon, but I've got another race that I'm really looking forward to. So hopefully you'll be hearing about, about that pretty soon. Um, Some of the other exciting things that we're doing is um, we're actually talking currently with the Berlin Marathon about putting a Team Hoyt charity team in the Berlin Marathon. um, And we're trying to figure out how we can do that and possibly, you know, influence an influx of duos in some international races. So there's a lot of really cool things um, that we're continuing to take a look at.
1: What about the Abbott World Marathon majors? Have, Have they been in discussions with you all as well?
2: Right, so Boston is our, is you know, is obviously one of the ones that we're in. Berlin would be the second, and that might open the door for the all the world majors. So that's sort of the next step that we're looking at. Yes, fantastic.
0: That would, that would be great. And how how do you, do you have our applications open for Boston for um, spots on your Boston team next year? When do those open? And um, you know, we assume if you get. Uh, bibs for berlin that there would be opportunities for runners to join the team too what would you recommend that runners who are interested in um looking into joining team hoyt um for future races how did how do they get information about that
2: sure absolutely so you can go to teamhoyt.com, and you can you can actually go to teamhoyt.com to register for um the dick hoyt memorial race you can also see what other races we have open We do have a charity team in the falmouth road race for the first time this year so those bibs will be up on our website within the next couple of weeks um we actually um just landed the new york city marathon so we're actually we actually have an open process uh for a charity Mm -hmm. team if people want to run for team hoyt in the new york city marathon so that's there Uh, as far as boston for 2024 Mm -hmm. that process opens up probably right around Mm -hmm. september so a good time to You know, people can let us know now if they're interested, but the time to reach out when the applications will actually be available for Boston, um, would be September of next year for the uh, Mm -hmm. following April. And if we do get into Mm -hmm. Berlin right now, we're looking at the 2024 Berlin marathon, we're starting the planning for that. But, um, as we said, the Decoy Memorial is open now, the Falmouth road race, we have charity bids for now and New York city are, we're all, we're, we're actively recruiting runners for all three of those at Mm -hmm. this time.
1: Love it. You're doing so much great work, Rick and Russ. And before we leave, we just want to ask you a question. And um, this may take a little time to answer, no problem at all. Your motto has always been, yes, you can. How has that changed over the years? And what does that mean to you now?
2: Sure. Um, So I can start with answering that. And I don't know if you have a a thought process on that a little bit. so the funny part is we were just talking about our mom. The first person to ever say yes you can was mom. It wasn't dad. Um, when Rick was born and the challenges that they faced of of you know sixty years ago bringing up a child with a mm. disability, no one thought they should do it. Everyone told them you know don't bring him home, put him in an institution. Um, and mom and dad you know both said no, we absolutely will bring Rick home. And our dad looked at our mom and he's like. I- Can I do this? And she said, yes, you can. So that was actually the first time anyone ever said it. And then that answer started to become the answer for everything. If Rick wanted to go swimming, the answer was yes, you can. And we threw him in a pool and then we dove in and we pulled him out of the pool. If Rick wanted to climb a mountain, Rick would say, can I climb a mountain? The answer would be, yes, you can. Dad would put Rick over his shoulders and go up the mountain. In fact, one time when we were climbing Mount Monadnock in New Hampshire, um, we were on our way up the mountain, and another family was coming down. They saw us, and they kind of stopped and froze, and stepped off the trail. And the dad of their family, he's like, "Are you are you guys okay?" And my father just looked at him without breaking stride and said, "We're going up the mountain." Uh, so, just to, to to be able to to see that affect everything that we did, which was you know, how can Rick be included? The answer is whatever the question is, it's yes, you can. And Rick and I now do presentations the way dad and Rick used to. And we always um, tell the kids at the very end of our presentation, we're going to ask you a question. We're telling you the answer. The answer is going to be, yes, you can. So we get all the way to the end of our presentation and then we'll say to them, think of something that would be really hard for you to do and ask yourself, can I do this? And then the whole crowd erupts with, yes, you can as the answer. So it's become, you know, uh, a, a mantra, it's become a calling card. It, it actually is, it it defines, um, you know, how we make decisions every day.
0: Yeah. And if you think too, that that one, that first time your mom said it, that um, changed the trajectory of all of your lives. That's so that. that's that one decision in that one mantra, that one statement um, seems like it, I mean, can you imagine if, she didn't say that if that wasn't what she had said, um, where, you know, where we are today, everything that you've done, um, all the differences that you've made and, and, um, the impact that you've had on millions of people, we are sure all started with that. Yes, you can. And Rick, what about you? What does yes, you can mean to you?
2: So, uh, I'll just share with both of you while Rick's typing, um, my son, Troy, Rick's running partner, he started his own podcast. Um, so, um, if you wouldn't mind, I might even invite him to have the two of you come on his show. Of um, course,
0: and yes, please let can. us know what is the what's the name what's the name Yes, we can. Yes, what's we the can. name of his What's the name of his podcast?
2: It's the Yes, You Can Running Podcast. It
0: is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, we are going to definitely share the link to that and make sure our audience uh, tunes into that as well as as us. But we would be delighted to talk to him to be on his podcast.
3: All right, here's Rick's thoughts. I wish we'd copyright. Yes, you can.
0: <laughs> you should. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I think for, you know, especially um, for those of us who have known you and your family and followed your story, that's, you know, what we will always think of when we think of um, Rick and your father and mm-hmm. your mother. Now we know the origins of of Yes, You mm-hmm. Can. And like we mentioned to you, I think, offline before we started, both Julie and I, um, have copies of Rick's story, and uh, which is a book that your father wrote um, about Rick. It's a children's book, and we've brought it in many times to read to our children's classes when they were much younger. Um, and uh, like I mentioned, I would always get lots of questions and really, you know, fat kids were fascinated. And I uh, think it's important to hear his story and to learn that that mantra, yes, you can. So thank you both so much for for joining us, for sharing some stories that we didn't, we hadn't known as much as we have followed your, you know, followed your journey along the years. Um, those were stories we didn't know. So we really enjoyed hearing those and um, we hope that the race is a huge success. And we hope that one of these years we can make it back up in Boston after we're recovered from our Boston marathon, uh, you know, running, come back and join you. Um, but we're certainly happy to be able to help share, spread the news and um, spread the information and, and about how, people can generally get involved in supporting team Hoyt. So we'll make sure to post that in our show notes. So thank you so much for spending time with us. And it's a real honor for us to get to talk to you today.
2: Thank you so much. We really appreciate you having us.
0: Well, we hope to see you. If, um, if not before yeah, then, next we, time we're up we, in Boston, we hope to get to see you.
2: All right. Sounds good.
0: Thank you thank so you. much.
1: Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Erin Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.